on this episode of AV Week is hybrid just a fad or is going to stick around for a while. Global distribution and what it means for the industry and managing the remote worker. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 556, recorded Friday, April 15th, 2022, The Internationalist. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Draper. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, uh, I'd like to go ladies first, so Alexis LeBroy from PRG out of the D.C. area. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for letting me join you today. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, closer to Alexis than, than me is Mr. Brock McGinnis up in the uh, Canadian way uh, from Nationwide. Welcome, sir. Always a pleasure to be here, Tim, and somewhat surprising to be invited back. <laughs> You've been invited back for 10 years, dude. I can't, you can't get rid of me. Um, and a young man I got to spend a few days with in Houston, uh, Chris Miller uh, from PSNI. Welcome, sir. Well, uh, I, I, I missed the young man part, but I'll take it. It's good to be here. Absolutely. You can uh, check out some stuff that we got, we got uh, as well as uh, D- um, uh, Mr. Farisi from Commercial Integrator. Uh, Dan wrote a very nice piece on the, on the PSNI Super Summit that we had a couple weeks ago. Um, you can also check out on Facebook, on PSNI's Facebook page, uh, a live stream that we did uh, with a number of AV users from around the country. And um, two things with that. Number one... Um, the, the team that put that on the production team, uh, it was Corey's AV, uh, out of, out of Oklahoma and, and they just, they just did a unique, um, uh, d- presentation of the, the virtual, uh, interviewees that I had. Uh, it was a led screen behind me. Everybody's, uh, heads were, were kind of there. Uh, and then the, the content was, was quite good as well, but there's two things that are there that, that are kind of, you know, fantastic to watch. So check that out on the, on the PSNI. Uh, uh, Facebook page. Uh, first story comes to us from um, SCN and AV Network. ADI um, is going uh, global, uh, even more global. Uh, they're they're uh, they're unifying the Pro AV brand under ADI Global Distribution. Uh, this comes on the heels uh, about two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, of picking a, picking up uh, Herman Pro AV. Uh, but this is uh, adds to the Herman Pro AV adds AV to the security part. The security part was already uh, a global distribution, but this part adds you know all of the AV stuff that they've got uh, over 100 uh, branches, 10 or or, or 15 uh, regions throughout the world. Um, Chris, I'm going to start with you on this. Um, being the, the the kind of the, the head of PSNI. You guys have made strategic growth over the last four years, five years now, um, expanding your network globally. Um, when you look at your members and, and the folks that are involved in PSNI, and you look at things like what ADI is doing, what Exertus and Almo, or Exertus has done with with picking up Almo, uh, you've got Maverick, um, you've got um, the the folks um, at TD Cenex now, uh, which is which is one of your guys's uh, partners. What does this global growth in distribution mean to uh, AV dealers around the world and those that are looking to expand beyond their borders? 
Yeah, so it's it's a great question, and the article's uh, interesting in in the fact that we could go a couple of different directions with this. Um, certainly, this is a trend of acquisitions and positioning that um, we expected to take place, and it positions uh, distributors in a, in a very strong role to, to in many cases to manage and control distribution channels. And certainly as we see this take place from a global standpoint, you're right. We, uh, uh, we use several of those that you mentioned. If you look uh, globally, Midwich, if you look in North America, Cinex, uh, if you look globally, Annexter. Um, mm -hmm. And w what's happening is as they expand, obviously they're increasing their um, their volume, they work on reasonably small margins, so they may have to move in higher volume, and they can control, to some degree, um, the channel. Um, you will find that it, the win for integrators is they, they tend to have access versus buying from the manufacturer direct, they tend to have more credit lines. So they can actually go from multiple uh, distributors and, and have complete bandwidth of, of, of uh, uh, credit lines as well. Um, you find that global distribution, in many cases, those manufacturers want that product out of their location, and they move that directly into those distributors. One of the things that they've done as a back office for manufacturers is, first of all, they do it better than manufacturers typically do. And it's a good decision on many of their parts. It was hard for so many of our integrators worldwide um, to accept that because there was a period of time for years where you interfaced very directly with the manufacturer. Um, and you don't, you don't see that as much unless you're a very large uh, partner or a very large player. And, and in those cases, there are those direct, direct contacts. In, in short, um, it's good. They, they provide value-add services. In fact, you'll see, like you said, in some cases, um, they provide parity. So if you're a smaller integrator or you don't have bandwidth, you mentioned Herman, you mentioned some of these others, they can provide those value-add services, increase labor, other things that typically wouldn't be bundled with any manufacturer. So to that extent, it's, uh, it's good for some, not all. For those who don't want those services, it does create some parity. But overall, distributors have been good to raise, raise customer service. They handle the back office. They're going to take returns. They're going to have more inventory. They track data to know what buying trends are. They know what to have in their warehouse. They've become sophisticated machines in the, in the back office distribution. Globally, Europe um, has been doing this much longer um, in distribution than, than the states for, for say, I don't, I don't, I don't know specifically about Canada. In some cases, yes, I mean, we, we've seen that, but it, Europe is very used to it. APAC is very used to it. Many of our CSPs worldwide are also, uh, distributors or are somewhat involved in repping product lines. So it's really different. We do not have global pricing. It is hard to determine that. Um, even though they have global distribution, they're still working with, within silos of these manufacturers. 
who then control so much of that. So it's even a challenge. And we're in, you know, six continents, 230 cities around the world. And the problem and parity is almost the same from, you know, Finland to uh, Argentina and, uh, and everywhere in between. <clears throat> Alexis PRG is, is a live events company, um, but you've also worked in the integration field as well. Um, talk for a second about, you know, th this drive to globalization from the customer side and what, you know, what, what if, if, you've, if you're not an integrator that's been pushed, right? Give them kind of a sense of, of what that looks like and what maybe something like this means for those folks who, you know what, you're stepping out beyond your own borders for the first time. I think that it could potentially level the playing field a little bit for maybe some of the smaller players, you know, so maybe a company that is um, based here and they want and they want to expand to Europe or vice versa. Um, you know, a lot of the, the a lot of the integrators they work with, um, they have the best relationship with one of the um, distributors and, and, and that's who their go to company um, for distribution. Well, you know, you mentioned earlier, you've got um, Exertus, Stampede, Almo all combining over the last year and a half, I guess. Yeah, basically. You know, so if you went to Stampede before, then, you know, uh, now you've, you've got a bigger footprint that be able to, to um, get what you need um, in the States to get what you need in Europe. Um, uh, through Exertus and through Almo as well. So um, I, I think that it could potentially level the playing field for some of those folks. Um, and hopefully they can, if they want to expand, they have options to be able to get product, to be able to um, get what they need, to have those, those same relationships with the same person that they've been working with and be able to expand. Mm -hmm. Brock, um, I've known you long enough to, to have heard some of the stories of you um, um, putting up discos uh, throughout different parts of Europe, uh, even from Canada. Uh, so talk for a second about the differences between, you know, 20 years ago before the rise of all of these global distribution and today where you've got folks that do have the ability, TD Cinex is one of them, right? That they do have the ability to kind of touch anywhere in the world you want to go. The benefit of that and maybe some of the drawbacks of some of those. I don't think there are any drawbacks at all, um, okay. you know, from a, a client support perspective. Um, it would be so easy to do business elsewhere. And, you know, I've worked in, in South America. I've worked in the Caribbean. Uh, I've worked in the Middle East. I've worked in Europe. Um, and one of the things that got me that work was that I knew how to do that, <laughs> right? That I could demonstrate uh, uh, logistics, remote support, um, and uh, and all of those uh, all of those things. Now, um, I think it would be very challenging, uh, for example, to compete with a, a PSNI uh, integrator. I mean, PSNI uh, has among its memberships, you know, absolutely the cream of the crop across the globe, and they are local almost everywhere. And so, some of the things that I was able to do as an internationalist. Um, and, you know, having the ability to, to work in uh, various places and cultures and languages, uh, that's not valid anymore. Uh, you know, the, <clears throat> there can be local support. So that's, 
that's one of the changes and that came along with the fact that I of course now I can get a quarter pounder and a grande latte um, pretty much anywhere on the globe uh, I'm not sure if that's good or that's bad um, but we we live in a very um, uh, you know globalized uh, globalized world and uh, and you adjust and go with that what is the line from Pulp Fiction, La Royale with cheese? You, you know, Tim, just to jump in there, and I, I, I think it, it, it complement what both of them said, it, it will provide access, but it doesn't mitigate risk. And, and this is the thing that going global is. And I, I will say it's a, a larger company can make, possibly absorb more risk a smaller company in and of themselves, even if they can get one of these larger distributors to, to work with them on financing. And many of them have great um, mezzanine level financing, product financing. Again, it's another value. Brock said it's just really no downside there. But that doesn't mitigate the risk of accountability for deliverables. And certainly you work with a company who knows that that really well. And, and, and that can never be underestimated. And, and thanks, Brock. A good compliment. Certainly, you know our organization. We do have good people, but I'll tell you what: things can go off the rails globally. Easy. <laughs> um, yes. No. No question. Uh, the uh, my first project in Qatar, uh, we uh, we had a uh, payment term foisted on us uh, that I think we were getting the last fifteen percent of our money, or maybe it was ten percent. 400 days um, after uh, the project turned on. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to have had a father that, uh, that worked uh, in an engineering capacity internationally throughout his career. And uh, when I asked him, he said, oh, just assume you're not going to get that money and price accordingly. Um, and, so when we, and so when we got the money, Wow, was that a profitable job? Oh, all right. Uh, next story comes to us from AV Magazine uh, based on a, a, a article uh, from Lazio uh, Bach. Uh, Lazio was the um, HR director for Google from 26, 2006 to 2016. Uh, Lazio says that this hybrid thing is just a fad, um, mainly because older managers, quote unquote, don't know how to lead hybrid workers, and as a result, they're going to force folks back into the office. Uh, Alexis, uh, when you're looking at this, whether it's it's where you guys are or the folks you're talking to in the industry, is, is that does that ring true? Is hybrid just a, a fad or is it here for a while? It's, um, you know, it's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting idea. I, I, I can see so many different sides to this, right? On the, on the live event side, we want people to be back in person, right? That, I, that's how it works for us. We have had to adjust to, to go from um, completely virtual to hybrid events. And um, I think there was a lot of pushback from a lot of organizations to be able to do hybrid events um, before COVID. So now here we are and we can do these events and Yes, we can be back in person, but there's still people who want to be um, able to watch from home or from their office for lots of various reasons, including, you know, inclusivity and, and um, you know, people with 
differing abilities, being able to participate. So obviously I want that to happen. On the other hand, um, I think about the fact that um, work, work from home is not available for everybody. You know, we need our technicians. We need um, people in the field to be able to go to job sites, to be able to do their work. So it's, it, you know, they mentioned in the article that it is kind of an elite idea that um, some people, some of us can work from home. Um, I'm personally 100% work from home at the moment. And I really miss having to go into being able to go into an office. I, I don't necessarily want to go to an office every day. I don't want to go three days a week because the commute, the, the, the lack of a commute, I just feel like I'm so much more productive and more efficient, not having that extra hour before and that hour at the end of the day. And it's just, I, I'm, I just feel like a happier, more productive person. Um, but the art, you know, his, his argument all hinged around older managers don't know how to manage people virtually. Right. And I just find that the most offensive statement of everything that he said, <laughs> he had to say. So let's not figure out how to give people tools. These older managers, I'm probably considered an older manager at this point, but let's not get these managers the tools they need to be able to support their people to be able to manage their people. No, let's just bring them back in three days a week because it's going to go away anyway. You know, if we don't think about the future of work is so much younger people, digital natives who this is all they do is, is yeah. they're on the computer, they're on their phone. We have to figure this out. And the answer is not, Oh yeah, just come back into the office because older managers can't figure out how to manage their people. I, I, I thought that was asinine. All right. Brock is somebody who has also you know, gone, <laughs> gone. I wasn't going to say he's an older manager. I, he's also remote. Good Lord. <laughs> but you're also an older manager. So, you know, can you manage people hybrid? Is it, does this, um, this, this person that used to be at Google, you know, Lazio, does it, does, do they have a point here? COVID has been spectacular for the business that I'm managing right now because uh, it allowed us to tear down all of the old ways of doing things and create new ones. And, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, for example, the daily touch bases that the teams have online in the morning, the various teams uh, uh, across the business have been spectacular ways to, for individuals to let the group know what it is they're doing that day and what their priorities are, but also to ask the, ask the group for help. This is what I need from you. And, you know, Chris, you've heard lots of this over the years from integrators about the, the challenges of handoff between silos, between sales and engineering and engineering and project management, project management and service, um, and then, you know, finance messing around with everybody. Well, every morning, if you need somebody, uh, something from somebody, you can just ask. And you're asking um, under the bright sunlight of a group and you know there's no motion there's no picking on there's no like none of those uh stopping by the office and uh, you know rapping on somebody's door and saying where the heck is the blank um it's just a hey i'm working on this and as a result i need that from you and if that happened today it would be great but if it's tomorrow morning by say 8 a.m that's fine too um i think this laszlo person 
has found, uh, I, I think it's him, uh, has found himself uh, offside and out of touch uh, with, uh, with the reality, not only of today's uh, worker at any age, um, because statistically we're finding that, uh, or at least I'm reading, that it's older workers that actually uh, are benefiting from and preferring uh, work from home days uh, more than younger workers. And so, and as if he's doing HR consulting, he should be focused on how do I recreate a workplace that makes it, um, that makes that time that we have together the one day or two days a week because we can't get Alexis in for three. Um, but how do we... And you can't get Brock in for any, just for the record. No, no, no. no well, yeah. So my, my, well, yeah. my, my contract does say uh, once a week. Um, and, uh, and so uh, we're now meeting once a week. And every day that people are coming together, we're having lunch together. And we're trying to figure out, you know, uh, different cool. different ways of, of dealing with that. People are coming in, coming back from the field uh, just to participate um, in the lunch part of it. And, you know, you, you're kind of sacrificing some of the productivity hours that otherwise you're gaining in front of. But, I mean, this um, three to five years, yeah, hybrid may be three to five years before offices disappear altogether, in which case none of us have jobs. Um, because we are in the business of equipping places where people gather <laughs> and, and uh, communicate with each other. But no, this is this is a, a, a magical time, uh, both in the workplace and uh, and for those of us in the audiovisual uh, unified communication world that, you know, that are helping our clients figure out how to best communicate with uh, uh, with their teams and collaborate amongst teams wherever they are. So I, I will tell on, on myself and, and my team here at CTI real briefly. I, I run an incredible marketing team, uh, very talented folks. We've gotten to the point where uh, a handful of our, our folks are entirely remote. We're based out of St. Louis, um, but we have a young man who is an editor uh, up, in, up in Detroit. Uh, we have another young lady who is out of Little Rock, Arkansas, another one from Kansas City. Um, uh, and so we have gone to about once every month, once every other month on a Friday afternoon, we have a happy hour, right? Uh, it is a virtual happy hour. Um, it is something where, you know, if you're we're working from home, uh, if you want to partake in an adult beverage at that point, that's entirely up to you. If you don't, then don't, right? It's it, But we it gives us a chance to just goof off and 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 connect with each other but i like your your lunch thing there brock um chris something that alexis said there th th there is some disparity here and it's something that we we heard last week at the psni super summit uh with a number of the of the speakers there some you have a, a group here in av2 you have a group here who can't work from home right you can't install conference rooms remotely you can't do you can't do live events remotely Talk for a second about what you and, and your your hearing from your uh, members about getting back into the office and getting back in 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 place. You know whether that's hybrid or that's one hundred percent coming back into the office. Yeah, so you know I I kind of live outside of the the fence, right? So I always think very flexible because I'm not accountable for payroll per se, right? 
that's that's within the structure people mostly have to live. One thing I say all the time that's so important to us is innovation always follows disruption. And it, if you follow it and you're Brock and my age or close, he's not my age, but um, it, it has always been the case from, you know, the time of zero to now. And we have just gone through a real major disruption. The disruption is is likely going to be addressed with some form of technology as to what that new normal will look like, right? And you're, you're spot on. So you have those people who need to be there. But, you know, there's a couple of things that have really come up now that when I had my company didn't come up. Sustainability. If someone would have said that, I would have said, what are you talking about? And yet you have these large enterprises today who are looking at things like reducing the carbon footprint. And if you leave people around the world and they don't go into the office three times, you, you've lowered the carbon footprint worldwide, right? That's, that's a valuable if that's one of their main points. If, if you look at um, the scarcity of this thing, um, you know, you had the big resignation, then you have the, that was a big mistake, and now you have this big return. But the difference is the return is on their terms, not on our terms, right, as, as, a, as a principal or an owner. And now we're having to listen and say, what, make, what does work best uh, within this disruption? And in our case, um, I think there's a little less conflict when we're not all in the room. And I, I think there is some space and Brock nailed it within our industry and everybody who's ever spent any time in it, you know, it, it, there is opportunity and conflict and learning and sharing and, you know, gnashing of teeth all within sales and project managers and engineering and everybody in, in installers. And most of them are going to have to be there, but, you get outside of that. I mean, and, and in your case, Tim, you have people who are doing CAD drawings in India. You've got people doing things other places. Why not? Um, everybody's got to work somewhere. And I think it's really opened the doors to finding better talent, great talent, if we get a little more flexible in, in our thinking. And, and I think it was a great point. I think it, it, that person would look like me probably that wrote that. I just happen to totally disagree. An old white gray haired guy, right? That oh, that's the way it was always done. And um, I don't know. I, I think it's all about technology is going to come up with those solutions. And if manufacturers will quit making products, and I think they've done better, make products and then tell people they should use them and, and reverse that and listen to people and then make products that, that meet what they want. And to me, that's where innovation impacts disruption. Not in this lifetime. <laughs> Next lifetime. It's, it's my dream. Yeah. Do not wake me up. <laughs> I think, I think those are all great points. And I, I think, I think even more that um, the, the people that are coming back are, they have more of a say in, in how they, they want their lives yep. to look like. And they should. And they should have right. had it before, right? But they sure. didn't because disruption didn't take place. And I think you're sure. spot on. I think, I think it's changed the level of respect across the board. I really mm -hmm. do. I hope it has. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, will, I will end this with, with one, with one uh, story of a friend of mine who also has a disparate you know, uh, 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 staff. And um, 
the city that, that, that they're in up in Minneapolis, the vast majority of their other folks are there. Um, but he's got a graphic artist where their main coworker is someone in Southern California, right? So they're already separated. And having a conversation with her the other day, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're getting back. I think they were three days a week or whatever. Um, she came to me and she's like, um, I, I don't mind coming in like one day, but you know, the, the person I talk to isn't in here, right? That the person I work with on a daily basis is not here. Is it okay if I work the rest of the week from, from home remotely? Because the person that I, my, my coworker is remote anyway. And it's one of those things where he, thankfully, right, he, he was flexible enough to say, yeah, absolutely. That completely makes sense. Why not, right? Why would you drive in a half an hour, 45 minutes in traffic to sit at your, your, your desk to talk on the computer to somebody in Southern California, right? It doesn't make sense, right? So I think some of this is, and I think all three of you said this in some way, shape, or form, it's common sense. It is being flexible. It's talking to your employees and, and kind of helping them be successful, right? Give them what they need to be successful. So, it, the, right. the, the challenge, though. So um, Laszlo used a fear argument. Uh, mm. You know, you're not going to get a promotion. You're not going to get a good review. Um, the, uh, the one challenge is that uh, the individual in Southern California is the only person in that business who really knows that graphic artist. And that's unfortunate. Um, you know, the, uh, a lot of our businesses do function well because of community and collaboration. And, uh, and while we can exchange ideas very effectively on a platform like this, it's tough for us to get to know each other well enough to be able to collaborate. Um, and so the, uh, the, there is great value in in-person time and water cool uh, cooler conversations and I, you know and i still i have a huge heart for the 20 somethings who are living in their folks basement or sharing a you know four to a, a one bedroom apartment as they start their careers um you know to they don't want to work from home they they want to they want to work someplace better um, and they want to get out into the world and they, they need to yep. be or want to be mentored and they want to absorb um, uh, information about the, the, the career that they're embarking on. And, and you don't absorb uh, on a video call, right? It's, it's just, just back and forth. So there's, um, and it's not just the kind of events, Alexis, that, you know, that uh, PRG equips, it's the it's the standing on the street corner after work and saying, could I, I'm having a problem with this. Could I just ask you or the, the things that are overheard in the cubicle? And, and, um, and so, uh, again, with our filters and, and, you know, being another old white, white guy like Chris, I, I might be able to say, I don't need that anymore. Right. You know, I already know everything. I've already forgotten everything I need to know. I'm not typical. And so um, as a manager, I need the empathy to recognize right. that I have uh, that I have different kinds of employees um, with different needs. And uh, I'm in a growth phase where I am and I'm hiring. And part of the strategy is trying to figure out 
how do I, you know, how do I bring all these folks together into a cohesive unit um, while at the same time enabling those who don't want to uh, commute an hour, which in Toronto is a very common thing. Um, so it, it's a it, it's a brilliant topic. I'm sure we'll be talking about it uh, uh, for uh, for a long time. Um, and I just I Alexis, I completely get you know how you started. I want to go in the office. I want to get out of here. I want to connect with people. I don't want to drive in three days a week. <laughs> or in your case, you're probably driving out. Yeah, Brock, you you said something there, and I'm sorry, Tim, but it's a it's a great point. I, I like to study this stuff, and I don't know why. But um, if you look at corporations, uh, alliances, and alliances like ours, but I'm talking about code-sharing alliances with airlines. I mean, there's so many global alliances unrelated to our space, very large corporations. If you look at those corporations and alliances and, and small companies, one of the underlying uh, issues that create failure is lack of trust and oftentimes a, a disparate group as you called it tim comes from a lack of tactile relationships and then that built that does take away some trust it doesn't necessarily um work a, away from trust but it doesn't build trust and we saw it in the last two years internally where we have 105 or 10 companies around the world. And when we're meeting six to eight times around the world in different parts, and you know, whether it's Bangkok or Amsterdam or Barcelona or Houston last week, whenever we do that, then, <laughs> then that trust kind of comes back together because people are back together. Yeah. The minute we go two years without those meetings, trust isn't gone, but trust isn't improved. No. Um, and we're we're rapidly trying to get back together as quick as we can because I think it's right is trust is not typically transmitted well over video. It helps, yeah. but it doesn't do it all. Yeah, I think it's the mandate part of it that's the issue. You know, you know, you can have those meaningful relationships with a younger worker and an, uh, and a more senior worker um, without the mandates. You know. And, and Brock, to your point, I think that's part of making sure that those managers have the information. These are what my employees need. This is how I need to get it done to make sure that they have what they need so that everybody can be mentored, so that everybody can feel like their time um, is well spent, you know, or feel, feel like they're productive, you know, all of those things. It's the mandate part of it that's the biggest issue for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, that'll be a good place to stop. Thank you all so much. Uh, Mr. McGinnis, uh, how do people connect with you or nationwide? Um, you know, I'm on Twitter at Brock McGinnis uh, every once in a while. And uh, you can certainly find me on LinkedIn. Uh, every Chinese manufacturer does. So I'm, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> That's at Brock McGinnis on Twitter. Yeah. You can go yell at him now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, sir. Uh, Alexis, thank you, ma'am. Uh, how do people connect with you? Absolutely. Thanks, Tim. Um, you can reach me on pretty much all the platforms, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, Alexis LeBroy, and I'm also on Instagram, Alexis LeBroy, although I'm still trying to figure that one out. So You and me both. Taylor, my, <laughs> our, our, our guy keeps yelling at me that 
that I don't do it well. So, mm -mm. Uh, Mr. Miller, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or PSNI? www.psni.org. And uh, I, I as, am as well on LinkedIn and Twitter. Not as active as, uh, uh, as many, but uh, I could be found. But uh, definitely go to PS9. Take a look. You'll find me. That, that is for sure. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters because uh, at this point, uh, I'm, yeah, the Bears aren't playing. Not that they ever play, but they're not playing right now. Uh, but the Blues are, are doing, yeah, I don't know, decent. Decent. There's a 50-50 shot. I'm not saying they're going to win the Cup this year, but, you know, better than the Devils. I'm just going to say that. Um, <laughs> that was for my buddy, uh, uh, Brad, Bradford Ben. Um, but go by the website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. Uh, while you're there, we've got a couple things coming down the pipeline. Um, next time I get to see Chris uh, in person, we'll be in Barcelona at Integrated Systems Europe. We are heading to Barcelona for ISC 2022, the 10th through the 13th of, um, of May. Uh, so you can hang out with us there. We've got a, a, a tweet up happening there. Uh, thanks to our friends at Polly, so you can register for that. That is on the 10th um, from 3 to 4.30 in Polly's booth. I will also be doing some, some content there. Uh, if you're not going to ISE, but you're going to Infocom, we have a tweet up there as well. Uh, that one's brought to you by our friends at Starin. That is on Wednesday. Um, you can check that out uh, Wednesday, the 7th of, uh, of June from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, over in the West, uh, West Hall. Um, at, uh, at Infocom 2022. So thank you all for joining us. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.